right. Greetings and happy Tuesday. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. First downs and flip tricks, and it is the 23rd day of July. And yes, that was the sound of my iPad uh, falling. So I'm sorry for that for anyone tuning in. Uh, today it's a little bit sticky, but uh, it does make for some beautiful sunsets at night. Um, it's a busy day for me. It's a busy day for uh, for everything I do. We've got a training camp. All the guys are reporting today. Uh, Chargers are reporting and um, Rams. Uh, all, all the NFL teams are reporting today to the hotels. Uh, the vets most likely tomorrow. So I'm heading to Chargers after uh, after today's broadcast. And uh, SLS is happening, the finals in L.A. this weekend. Uh, we've got Street League coming. Uh, Deshaun Jordan obviously was in the studio uh, last week, and he will be competing. And uh, today, I'm super excited and thankful. I've got a former professional snowboarder, TV and a radio personality. He's an MC. Uh, five years, or five seasons, seven years, uh, I believe 49 episodes of <laughs> The Adventures of Danny and the Dingo. Uh, Find Your Grind and Current Currency Podcast. Uh, he's got a lot going on. He's a co-owner of Grenade. Or was. Yep, was. Um, was. Um, He's Australian, as you can hear. Very. Uh, hailing from Australia. This 33-year-old is one of a kind personality. Uh, seems to truly impact all on his path uh, with his contagious positivity and sharing some really rad inspiration. I'm really excited and thankful to welcome. Thank you. That was dingo. a lot. You did good. Is that okay? Yeah, you did great. Oh, thank you. That was everything. I can go home now. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, um, thank you for having me. I've um, I've recently just got into the podcast world, so I just, I just, I don't know, I just am now, like, excited to, like, get out there and I guess tell my story a little bit, you know? So I've kind of just, I've been pretty open this year about what I've been through, just life in general. Yeah, really open from what I've yeah. heard, kind of on, you know, a third party. But- yeah, but, like, it's like... It's really helped me deal with whatever, just life in general. I think, like, as a kid, <clears throat> I came over here when I was 14, and I lived this, like, incredible life from, you know, becoming a pro snowboarder, um, you know, but it didn't, it, it, it really didn't come easy. <clears throat> and everything I dealt with um, as a teenager, uh, moving into, like, my early 20s was kind of like a fairy tale. You know, I got to live, I, you know, I came from the other side of the world and I got to live my dreams and I got to travel the world with, you know, all these people I looked up to and I ended up becoming friends with and being indulged in, in that world. And it all happened really quick and, you know, the, the grenade and the Danny Cass thing happened all really quick and I'd never really, like, had time to stop and think about what I was even doing. Until like I was like 26, 27, 33 now. So it, it took a long time for me to like understand like what had happened and how it happened. And it just kind of got thrown at me. And it was these like highs and lo- crazy highs and crazy lows. But it happened, you know, and we had this like really successful company when we were teenagers. We didn't know what we were doing, you know, like had no idea what we were doing. At one point there was like, you know, nearly 40 40 people working for us and those people couldn't have told you what they did. We had a <laughs> warehouse that should have been full of gloves and outerwear and it was full of like old school pinball machines. And a ramp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ramp was the first thing it was built. We like, Of course, priorities. <laughs> yeah, like the, the, the original gas station in June Lake that was the original Grenade property, original, original Grenade warehouse 
was an old gas station and then we ripped out the hydraulics to where they would rise the cars up and we built uh, a skate ramp right there. So it was like super, yeah, very, very core to say the least. And when we started shipping our original products, we were shipping stuff that you couldn't even sell. You couldn't give away today. You could not <laughs> give away the product that we first made. Um, it was all, it was marketing. I mean, it was you guys. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, Grenade was... You know, uh, I mean, it was cool. It was, it was. really cool. It, it was. was everything you guys were doing. It, let's let's reset though for some people that maybe don't know your history. We we sent you know I think I, I read uh, or listened to I can't remember is that you reference snowboarding as your first love and that's how it was for me. Like when I started snowboarding, it was like I could do this thing called life. I could you know I mean which sounds pretty um, pretty dramatic but that's how I felt like everything was good as long as I got on the mountain and um and it was my first life I would sleep with my board um you know and you know a, a different era I'm older <laughs> I'm much older but no um but that passion and that love um you your dad introduced you to snowboarding yeah my dad did my dad grew up um he went to a school called uh Scotch College in Melbourne and they had so he grew up skiing with his family and then they had a lodge at, at this resort or mountain called mount buller which was like three four hours away from where i grew up so i grew up my brother was five years older than me he was into skiing i skied till about i was like four or five i grew up on the snow like i have no memory just pictures of me as a kid on the snow um and my brother was like a really good freestyle skier like a bump skier back mm -hmm. then so I was up there every weekend and then at age six, I got on a snowboard and it was like that, I never looked back on on And I think like exactly what you're saying there, it was like in life you like identify with certain things and snowboarding was that first, like snow just in general, but then like snowboarding to me, when I got on that snowboard, it like I identified with something. I was um, straight away, I was like more naturally gifted at it than other things. I used to have to work for everything. I like swam, I played football, I surfed, I did, and I used to have to work so much harder than other people just, just to be good, not to be the best, just to be like good enough to even keep up with my friends. And snowboarding was the complete opposite at like 60s. I, I remember like my dad used to have this like bum bag, fanny pack, and he would keep kept it full of like Mars bars because by him keeping that full of Mars bars, I would never go too far off the mountain. <laughs> That's a great incentive. <laughs> you know, but I was always known for this, like, little kid in this, like, Rojo beret and this, like, billabong jacket that was just all over the mountain. And, and they couldn't keep me off it. Uh, so it was it, – it really was, you know. And then I became junior national champion. I started competing. I think I was, like, 11 or 12, 11 maybe. And, and I was junior national champion, like, pretty much, I think, like, maybe, like, a year later. Um, and then started traveling for snowboarding. I think the first time I came to America was 98. I was pretty young. Okay. Oh, okay. That was the first time you came. That was the first time I came. Okay. And then I came back. Um, Where I did, did you go? Mammoth or Squaw? Or? No, 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 no. The first time I came, the first time I snowboarded in America was Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which oh. I didn't, which would then be the place where I went to high school and trained with the U.S. team like three years later. So I came to America, I think, for the first time in 98, was in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, training with the US, uh, Australian team at that time. And then I did like another winter, couple of winters, like summer break for us is winter break for you guys. So I did like December, January. And then I did like a couple seasons in Canada. BC? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, Whistler or Blackcomb. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we it's, It was funny. We did like a training camp out of... Uh, uh, Squamish? No, Silverthorne. Oh, okay. Silverthorne. And then we did one year... Or Silver Star. Silver Sorry, Star. Sorry, Sil- okay. Silver Star, which is maybe, you know, like pretty deep. It's still BC, I believe, but it's deep. Uh-huh. Like it's not near Whistler. It's like a five-hour drive or six-hour drive from Vancouver. Okay. And then I did a year where we had a house in Vancouver oh. and we kind of just bumped around. We did like Seymour and, 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 and like the smaller mountains. Okay. And then we did like Whistler on those ones. But because they get so much snow there, it was it was cheaper and easier for the Australian team or the people. And I wasn't with the Australian team at that point. It was another group that just kind of like offset what we were doing. And it was just way cheaper. They had a house. They had coaches. They had – you know, 20 kids in a house or whatnot. So, and we were just kind of based out of um, Vancouver. A, and a year. Give us a year around 2000, 2001? 2000 was when I moved to America. So that was 99. So that was not, not 98. Shit, sorry. Maybe it was 97 when I first went to Steamboat Springs. And then it was um, Canada for two years, or those two years. And then me and my mom, I in, in, in 2000... In April, I competed at the Junior Worlds in France. I blew my knee out, um, but I qualified like I qualified like I, qu- I qualified like top three, and then in and then in finals, I blew my I, I blew my knee out, and that was the first time I met Danny. I met Sean White. I met it's crazy hockey saucer. There were so many people that were at that competition that I would ideally end up working with and knowing my entire life, which is kind of crazy to think about. But I blew my knee out. I came back. I like. I came back first time I'd had like a major injury and I was super down and I was back in school on crutches. Um, My knee had like torn, but not, it didn't tear. So they said at my age, it was just easier just to let it mend. So I was on crutches for six months. So it was like, and I was like in ninth grade and it was kind of a mess. Um, My mom and family, my mom had been speaking to Mike Mellon, who was head of the U S team at that time and was like, Hey, like I really want Luke to come back and, um, and train with us, which was kind of a far-fetched idea at that time. My dad had been gone for a few years. My brother had been like dealing with his own troubles. Um, so there was this like weird opportunity. And then all of a sudden, like it happened. My brother was one that kind of forced my mom to do it. It was me and my mom living back on our own in the little beach town. We grew up in Mount Martha. My brother was at that time moved to Queensland. He had dealt with, a lot of his own problems um, at such a young age. And I'd kind of witnessed all that drugs, wrong crowd, um, single parenting. And, 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 and my brother was like, well, just, I don't know, just do it, figure it out. The next thing you know, like my mom sells her car. I, and them able to uh, leave school. I'm, I, they, they pull me out of school. I take the three months off before I go uh, to, America and live in Jindamine and train and I'm training with the Australian team and then my mom and me just pack up and move to America like next thing you know my mom sold everything we're in a hotel room we're at Steamboat Springs High School she's like I have no idea what we're doing but we're here and it just happened like I don't know it just it just happened and 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 I look back on it today and I'm like I still don't know how that happened so here we are my mom and me in America in a hotel room I'm enrolled into the Steamboat Springs uh, High School my mom is um, has no idea what she's doing. She gets a job cleaning houses 
and that's what she's doing. She's cleaning houses, and we have this tiny little two-bedroom apartment. I'd known a few people, uh, Keenan Rice, Jamie Curcio, who uh, are still today some of my best friends who I'd snowboarded with before. So I knew some people before I was going into that school, but it all happened. That was 2000. That was the year of the Olympics. The, wow. the 2000 Olympics in Australia. That was when we moved. It was September, and it was like this whole new life. I had like left everyone I'd known, everything that I'd ever thought could come possible. It's kind of like coming possible, but you're still like picking up. We lived there for a year. My mom had to move home because she didn't have a visa. She didn't have anything. No, I didn't have a visa at that time. I was like kind well, of here illegally. And this is, and this is, this is the beginning. I mean, let's, let's step back because high school sucks. High, high school is really challenging for me. It was, I, I don't believe people when they say they loved high school, but but that's a, it's a, it's Some an people. awkward, it's an awkward time. Um, your body is changing. You're, you know, you're, it's just an awkward time of, you know, and to move to a new country and a new, you know, and obviously you're snowboarding, but you're injured as well. Like how, I mean, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It, it was a lot, but I think like my family or my mom, we had also like dealt with a lot. We would like, you know, with ultimately not knowing, grieving, you know, not grieving, but like our father, like my father, her husband had, you know, gone off and kind of done his own thing and mum was left on her own. My brother had had so many troubles in his life and he'd packed up to like go and restart his new life. And it was, it was this like weird crossroad, you know, and my mom could have said no. And instead, she like, you know, went and did something that most people wouldn't do, you know, like she like really dug down and like went through some shit to like make it happen. Um, and that year was like, I look back on it now and that year was, I was a freshman in at Steamboat Springs high school in this whole new world snowboarding. And that year ended up being one of the best years of my life. Uh, looking back on it, uh, now it came to the end of the school year. She had to move back home. So I had to make the decision. And then that was when I had already met Danny Cass and, um, uh, some of the other kids that were living out of mammoth. And another kid by the name Joe Eddie, who was living in Steamboat, who and his mom had moved to Mammoth. This is 2000, going on 2001, and Mammoth had kind of become the mecca of snowboarding. Everyone it from the east, yeah. yeah, everyone from, from the, Tahoe to there, yeah, everyone from the east coast had kind of moved out there. It was like kind of this like movement. So I, um, Joe Eddie and his family, who lived in Steamboat, trained with us. Joe Eddie was extremely talented snowboarder. Like he started competing in X Games when he was like 16. Um, I slept on his couch with his mom and his sister in Mammoth for well, about two years. Oh, boy. <laughs> until I moved in with Danny. And I was a teenager going to homeschool every day. And then that was when I kind of kind of made everything happen. And, and, and it was s- – snowboarding was there, but I was also in that group of, I think, the best snowboarders in the world at that time. And snowboarding hit this bubble in like the mid-2000s early mid to 2000s where it became mainstream and that was Sean White, Danny Cass, um, Travis Rice. You keep going down the list there were these people that became well more like well known outside of snowboarding which had never kind of been the case. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, Grenade, we had started it, it was a group of us, it was it, we all had that same passion and there was like 60 of us in the beginning and and that passion was that we all really loved snowboarding but we were kind of misfits we were outcasts right we had mohawks we were spray painted stencils everywhere and we kind of you know were the last of our breed in the snowboarding industry i think skateboarding 
still probably has it and always it's, had it? It's, been th- it's going through that shift as well, though, right now. I mean, it's been, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, snowboarding did. I mean, it was because snowboarding, when I, we were outlaws. We were the skaters, you know. It yep. was skateboarding, and then we got to the mountains. But it was, uh, I mean, we weren't allowed to ride on many, on all the mountains. Um, we were dirt bags, yep. you know, quote, unquote. Um, you know, it was just not couch tours. I mean, you know, it's like we did the the PSTA. I just dated myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know, but we'd all, like, South Shore, North Shore guy, you know, we'd all caravan and drive together and, you know, down here for Snow Summit Contest or, you know, at Squaw. And then yep. at Squaw, everyone stayed at my house or, yep. you know, a bunch of people stayed. You know, they just, no, there wasn't that much funding. Yep. You know, and then boom, it's like American Express, the Olympics, like it snowboarding just like became the rich kid sport. Like, yeah. I, I can't afford to snowboard anymore. Yeah. I don't know if you can. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> we got comps for a long time, but like, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. I look at it now and they say like the average family getaway is like 10 grand, which is unaffordable for most people and lift ticket prices. Like I look at it now and, and you know, it's people charging 120 bucks a lift ticket. It's insane. That's reasonable from what, I mean, 150 and <laughs> like, I mean, it's just nuts. And then, I mean, the equipment, I'm used to getting everything free as well. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, you know, Hey, can I, can I get another board? It's been about yeah, those 10 years. Those days are tough too, yeah. right? It's weird. Like I, I, I like, I like, yeah, I like. It's it's crazy just to see how much it changed. To you know, it was. I remember going to. I remember when the bubble burst or was about to burst. It was like two thousand, maybe like nine or ten, and I was at a trade show in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and Europe had 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 like one of the biggest winter trade shows in the world. And I just remember like looking around and just seeing the money people were spending on trade show booths. At that time, Burton had like, were building these booths out that cost like over a million dollars just for a build out. They were going to tear down a week later. Like yeah. kind of insane. And I was like, I think the bubble is about to burst here. And the bubble in like 2010, you know, we fought in 2008, like when the economy crashed, we kind of came out of that, you know, it was like a scaling, but like 2000, you know, like what came after was like the wrath in 2009, 2010, 2011. And then it was, crashed yeah you know like products just think about how much product on the snowboard side like think about burton alone like think about how many boards burton or how many shops had bought burton boards that were just sitting there unsold like it was like just this like overload of product and i remember thinking for us with grenade at that time you know we never like started grenade to sell it we did eventually sell it um, but it was never it was never built to be sold for somebody else to run. It was always a the only project. Well, not a pat. Yeah, but like it was always like the only way it was going to work was when we were still thriving, you know. And me and Danny got lucky. We had the TV show that was on for so long that helped market the brand. So the brand kind of lived past its days. Must you could even say. But like the thicker grenade was like two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six when it was like snowboarding was real, you know, and everybody was wearing our product because they wanted to wear it. And we had, we were just core and we had built this brand that was built by snowboarders for snowboarders, you know, and, and I just look at it now and I think like the kids now that go through it, are they having as much fun as we did? Absolutely not. These kids now have to treat it like a business, right? Especially those kids that want to make it and make money. There's only really, and in skateboarding now too, and I'm seeing, the change in skateboarding because the Olympics is coming up and it's just, it changes everything. 
Listen, I think it will change everything for the better down the road, but skateboarding right now is in this weird, like, what are we doing? We're going into the Olympics, and it's it's become very serious. For snowboarding, that happened in, like, 98 was the first Olympics, so 2002 was the first wrath of, like, you know, wait till America gets a couple podiums on a skateboard, and you'll see what it does for skateboarding, you know? And, and, and I saw that with snowboarding. Like, in 2002, when it was Ross Powers, Danny Cash, J.J. Thomas, swept the podium in Utah. It was the first American sweep of 52 years, and it was a big deal. They were on the cover of USA Today, and the next thing you know, like these kids are on talk shows and these on kids the, on yeah, Letterman, and you know, yeah, it's yeah. like it was. It happened overnight. Yeah, it was you know, Sean Sean Car- White with the American Express commercials. Yeah, I mean, that was know, those were crazy. You know, and then Sean carried on from like O two. He wasn't at O two Olympics. He like missed qualifying by like three or four spots. But then O six, he's won O six. He won O ten. He crashed in 14. It was just shitty conditions in Russia. And then won again in, in, in what was that, 18? You know, so like over like that, that, that span. But it's definitely done this. And even so, like I think from the last Olympics, you know, Sean had to deal with some of his own, his own issues. And I think the media like handled him completely wrong. And I feel bad for like what he had gone through. And then the way that the media kind of like treated him. And, and, and you know, it's, it's crazy. We live in times now where it's a lot different than it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, people have done things in their past that, you know, today aren't right. Or it, maybe it was never right. But you just got to be very careful about, you know, what you say, what you do, what you've done in your past. Like we live in a time now where people are just trying to take you down. Yeah. In, in so many I, ways. I hate the media. I, I, hate, I hate looking for like some media, they look for the negative. I mean, they just look yeah. for the shit yeah you know i mean even tiger woods yeah i mean i was never he was a phenomenal golfer he always has been i as soon as it happened with his wife it's like wait he's still phenomenal golfer like it's so i mean i and i i'm weird that way because i know he was never he was never a really nice guy to i mean that's he was a phenomenal athlete yeah like but people and the masses just want to put people up and take them down. Yeah. You know, well, I think on, I think on most athletes. So if you look at somebody that is like extraordinary at what they do, they're probably not going to be the best people person. Yeah. Right. Something's got to give. Right. And it's like the way that they have been. There are, there are exceptions, but yeah, yeah. One thousand percent. There are exceptions, but just by nature of like, if you're the best at something, you've been handed, you've been gifted something and then people will give you whatever you want. So you don't really have to think too much for yourself. Everything's kind of given to you. So you kind of rely on that. And that's something that I think we're dealing with now. Like something that I have like started working on or just started to notice, you know, I went through my own depressions at like the early, I was early twenties. I was 23. I again had lived this weird life. I had dealt with this company. I had like been handed, you know, a lot of these certain things, but like also, so nobody had taught me, you know, nobody had taught me about real life and about taxes and about <laughs> and about just, 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 there was no one there mentoring me through what I was going through. And I bottled it all up and I went into this huge depression in in in, in it started in like 2008. And I, I, I tried to commit suicide in 2009. I ended up in the hospital and I was really sick. And I, I, I hid that for a year from everyone, from my family, from my friends, from my coworkers. And it was like. It was something that I was like not proud of, right? And 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 ultimately, I could have gone, reached out to anyone for help to try and to try and to, and anybody would have helped me. But I just, I I I I didn't have the guts back then to reach out for it. And that's something that like today I look at and I look at, 
how athletes are treated and 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 where they're going and like we need to you know we we need to educate them and i think this is something they're doing better now in mainstream sports but like action sports we need to mentor these kids on like when they do come into the success that that and 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 educate them that it's not going to last forever could be five years it could be 10 years it could be 15 years but ultimately that check you're receiving is going to be taken away from you and when that check's taken away from you you're almost going to lose your identity and it doesn't matter who you are and once that identity is taken away from you you need to be prepared for the real world or what your phase two is or what you know the next step in life is and you know you know ultimately like for me on find your grind in general of like why you know personally why i wanted to start a company that is you know a platform helping youth find their way in life is because I have been working since I was 15. I didn't graduate high school. It's something I'm it's something I'm super proud of, but I've also consistently worked since I was a teenager. Every single job I ever worked, nobody asked me for a degree. So if I can showcase those jobs to the world and let kids know that if they 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 aren't good at, you know, general education programs or generally in schooling just because you're not geared towards school, doesn't mean you're not geared towards working and having a career. It just means we need to find your passion and that passion that we need to find from you, then we can find a workforce so you can wake up and love what you do every day. And I think if you can wake up and you're passionate and love what you do every day, we're going to have a better society. So like with me and Find Your Grind, which has been this like left, right. And and, and after I went through the depression, I'd met a guy named Mike Smith, who's now my one of my business partners in Find Your Grind. And it was it was comforting for me. I was like looking, I was looking to give back, and I wanted I, I I I wanted an outlet. And for me, it was also an outlet to like talk about my depression and talk about suicide. And Mike Smith was like one of the number one youth speakers in uh, in high schools around the country, and he lived in Nebraska. And I met him through uh, Ryan Sheckler. And Gretchen, Ryan's mom, had like kind of pushed me to go listen to uh, Mike speak. And I went to a high school in Huntington Beach. It's like six years ago. And I listened to him basically stand in an auditorium of 11th to 12th graders. And he made the uncool kids cool and the cool kids uncool. And I was just like, how did you do that? Like, these are the most impressionable cool kids. Uh, so I ended up flying to Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, where he lives. And I just started you know I, I don't know what you're doing or where you're going but I, I want to help and I started going like backpack to backpack with school with, 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 with going to high schools with him and and I think like his record at that time was there's 180 school years 180 school days in a year and he was doing like 220 230 schools so, so he was like doubling up on some schools like insane wow and 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 I started telling my story about depression to to, to what I had gone through to young kids and 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 kids then telling me their struggles and it was this conversation I was more so having with kids that helped me um, and and those auditoriums had grown we went from you know classrooms of you know for me it was like 10 20 kids to then like you know a thousand kids to 2000 kids and you know by the end there we had done some auditorium well not auditoriums we'd done stadiums you know, of like 10,000 kids. That's so right. I knew that that message, we had to grow that message. And in that time, we started doing live events in the high school space. Now we have a curriculum that is that is free starting August 1st. Um, 
in the wow. education system, eight unit, 180 hours, teaching kids about finance, teaching kids about insurance. We have our app, which then links these mentors in and these super mentors, and we have these assessments. And we are now creating all these different products and videos. And as videos. Well. I mean, like uh, I think the food trucks. Yeah. Uh, another example, you know, of showcasing different jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of hope. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 been it's been a it's been a long road for us. You know, the payoffs that you get off down the road now are like we just partnered with Microsoft on their Flipgrid, so we create these videos to 1.4 million teachers every week, wow. and we're starting to get these wins. You know, and 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 with Find Your Grind, it was we just want to help people, and it's it's about getting in there and helping them. We're figuring it out as we go too, but it's something that I go to bed and I feel great about what I'm doing and I wake up and I feel great about what I'm doing and I think that there was a long time there where I probably didn't love myself in the way that you should and I think that I think that you need to wake up and be proud of who you are and I think for so long even in my successes as a young kid I was still not proud of who I who I was I was still like searching because for a long time I think I was still trying to be someone else as I was like becoming, you know, trying to find the best me. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody wants to help. It's just, you don't know how to. And then there's avenues where, you know, you get that opportunity. For me, I took that opportunity. It was, it was, it was, it, it people were like, why are you flying to like middle America all the time? Or like, what are you doing? And like, you <laughs> know, Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. And then me like showing up with the video camera to a friend's office and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, whoa, you know, I just, you know, I need your story, you know? And, <laughs> And uh, for it all kind of to come together and have the team that we have now and the, the products that we're putting out there and like, you know, seriously, I'm really proud of the team that we're built around Find Your Grind and it comes from, you know, the co-founders of Nick and Natasha Gross, uh, Mike Smith and myself and we're all so different, the four of us, um, and, and we've built this team around us that expresses each one of us in little different ways and it makes it make sense. No, it sounds beautiful. Now, did this all, uh, you know, because I was going to ask, you talked about the depression um, you've been, you've dealt with your own depression and then you've also dealt with it from your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how did you, you mentioned at 23 is when you were really, you know, it's it, really tough times. How, what were the things that when you finally were able to get out of it that helped you? Again, I think it was like being honest, like, and not just being honest with yourself um, and whatever situation Whatever situation you're dealing with, no matter how bad it is, it's it's going to get better and you feel like it won't. When you're in the middle of a depression, you feel like there's no way to fix it, but there is ways to fix it and you need to express those feelings. The only way you're going to get better is expressing your feelings. Listen, I didn't come out of the hospital and be better overnight. I like went into like deep therapy. I was open about what I did. It maybe took me two years, two, three years after that to fully, fully recover. I was still kind of like bottled up. Uh, and then when I was about 27, 28, I started writing about what I had went through and then ha- that helped. And then by me speaking to young kids and going through sharing it, sharing your it, experience. Yeah. It was like sharing those experiences with, with, with other people helped me a lot. So it was like, I kind of found, you know, my second, third calling, whatever it is, you know, I think you have times in life now and they're getting shorter to where you got to pivot and, and rebrand yourself and remake yourself. And at that time I wanted to help others. And by helping others, it was talking about the struggles that I had gone through because I think every struggle I had gone through could have been fixable if I had have been open about it. But I had been living on my own for so long since I was a teenager. I was 
so proud of the way that my family thought of me or the way that my friends thought of me or the, the, the business people. I was just so proud that I didn't want people to think that I was sick. Yeah. Um, and it is. It's a sickness, you know, and it, and it helped me get over by talking about what, what I'd gone through has helped me get over not just bottled up and that's a part of your life you don't want to talk again I've done the reverse and like just been an open book about what I'd went what, what I'd been through and 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 suicide you know I think that it's like in life you find um things that you can attach yourself to like I wish we could like fix the world that we live in but it's one person we're not going to. So it's like pick something that you want to fight for for your life to help better that. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've been stuck in this club now, you know, where it's I was – I'm a suicide survivor myself. I've lost my brother to suicide. I've lost Cannibal now. That number is growing on friends, friends that had families, friends that you look at and you're like, wow, they're very successful. And we need to understand why mental health – or we need to try and learn to understand why this is happening to so many people. And for me, you know, my brother looked me in the eyes and was like, I don't want to be here. And if it, he said, if it wasn't for the kids, I, would, I, 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 I wouldn't be here anymore. And, you know, my brother had dealt with his own problems of addiction and he battled that his whole life. And then, it, it you know, in 38, he, you know, turned the lights off and it's like – we need to we need to help those people. We need to help those people that are leaving their kids behind, that are leaving their loved ones behind because they are loved people and these people that are doing it are loved by so many. So it's like, you know, trying to trying to try, trying to trying to help, you know, and something that I like in like super uh, you know going back to like the find your grinding curriculum, I really want mental health to be taught like compulsory at a young age so kids understand it more. And kids are able to see it, whether it's their, something their family member's going through, whether it's something a friend's going through, whether it's something they're going through. And I think we just need to be more open about mental health so we can help save lives because right now we're going the other way. Society in general is going the other way. Like there's just more people and less jobs and this and that. And it's like more expectations and more false, false, oh my know, God. more filters, you and, know, and we're like obsessed know. with this phone. Yeah. The no, I mean, and the, I was going to say the face app and like just everything. You know, it's but, like the phone in general. It's like we have dopamine on like a text message or an email on social media. It's like and, and then social media is everyone's showing their best life or their fake life or everyone wants yeah, to be... Yeah, it's a highlight reel. Yeah, everyone wants to be a Kardashian and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not realistic, you know? It's 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 um, it's 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 sad, you know? And I recently just did a, a trip to Thailand where I, I, I like was listening to a podcast and this doctor was talking about the phone and he was just like, if we could do seven days of no phone or whatever it is, I think he said a little bit longer, but that's all I was like. I listened to it and I was like, oh, I need to go do that. I need to go to Thailand. I'm going to switch my phone off and I need to recharge. And so is I, that in Bang, uh, Banchong, Thai? Is that where you were? I was in I was in Phuket. Okay. And then I was in Korea. So I, I was only in Thailand, Phuket. Um, I was there for a week. And then I, I, I looked Korea. at your elephant picture and I tried to find and I opened it up in the maps. Like, okay, where was he exactly? Yeah. I can't read this. <laughs> so that was like, that was like South Thailand. Okay. Yeah, pretty deep in like pretty deep in the jungle there. And you did, and you took your and you. you it was t- the best thing I've ever done. Like I, I think all of us now we're so bound to this and whatever stresses you have going on in, <clears throat> in work or just day to day life, it like resets you. And mm-hmm. and and I I needed that like reset. There's a ch- one of the chargers Isaac Rochelle um, has his his nonprofit is take Saturdays off, and so he encourages all of his fans and and. 
friends to to not be on social media on yeah. Saturdays, which I is really kind of cool. I think because it is there needs to be a more balancer. Yeah, on it, you know, like the seven days, like or ten days, like that's yeah, that must have been so freeing. It really was. I'm like not that good at reading, and I read a bunch. Okay, I was going to ask books or movies, but books. yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually movies. <laughs> usually movies. I get made fun of because I've I've seen every movie. But what what are your what are the what are your ones that uh, your the top few? I mean, this is going to sound silly, and, and they can be totally corny. I, I like Dis- I like Disney movies. <laughs> Disney make great movies. Or I remember the Titans is one of the better. Oh, movies it's ever such made. a good movie. Titanic's my favorite movie. Okay, it's so bad to say. No, I went good. I went and saw it when it came back out in theaters again. <laughs> I love it because I, I was going to ask, what's the song that you listen to on in your car that like you're embarrassed to let anybody let know that you're listening to? <laughs> Not a song. It's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But I am. I'm trying to read more. I'm trying to like take in information in a way that I've like never taken information before, and and just learn about. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of like things that really happened and people that have done them. You know, memoirs and stuff. And I'm like, there, I've got a great book for you. I actually I sent it to Corbin. Oh, you um, did? It's uh, but I'll 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 send you one as well. It's um, the score takes care of itself. Okay. And it is about Coach. My brain is just freezing. Okay, here, I'm going to have to Google it. The score takes care of itself. I said the notebook's not on there? No, okay. <laughs> I'm teasing. That's a good movie. It is a good movie. Um, it just came up, though, when I... Okay, it's Bill Walsh. Okay. So it's the dynasty, that what he did when he went to the San Francisco 49ers and turned them into the dynasty that they were. Oh, wow. And it was from top to bottom. And it's, it's a super inspiring uh, book. Uh, even if you don't like football, there's, if you do like football or have any football interest, there's great, um, there's a lot of relatability on the, from on the field. And I mean, he took it from like the receptionist answering the phones uh, to the janitors. Wow. Um, so this, it's, I don't know. I, I thought it was really inspiring. Yeah. Um, and, and it took everything out of him too. Yeah. He, he had to retire. He wow. couldn't do it anymore because he wow. gave all of himself. So, uh, but it, that's it's a good book. Uh, and I know you like football as well. I love football. Uh, okay, Corbin told me. So. Yeah, I'm like I'm like a, a football fanatic. Yeah, I have that disease as well. I like. I'm I, MIA during the season. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me and uh, uh, yeah, me, me and Natasha Gross are like football fanatics. We both listen. I'm like a Patriots fan. Well, I don't know if I am anymore, but I was. I was. I was. I was given. I'm friends with Gronk, so like oh, we right. sponsor Gronk through Monster. Um, and I've spent a lot of time with him. So, like, over the last – this is before LA had a football team. Yes. Right? Now we have two. But before we had a football team, you kind of had to pick. And for me, every Sunday, that's what I – like, it's my day off. And I sit there and I just watch football. Yeah. All day. Red zone? Yeah. Yeah. Well, red zone's crack. I mean, like, literally, you can't <laughs> even go to the bathroom because it's like, you know, especially if it's the last two minutes of the, right? the quarter of the half. So, so, so like, it, it, I, I I grew up playing Australian rules football. I didn't get the rules of football until, like, maybe, like, I don't know, like, seven, eight years ago until I started playing video games and then realized there are three teams within one team. Uh, yes. Right? So then I was like, oh, and then I got the rules. So then in, like, you know, 2000, I don't know, 11, I, like, started paying attention to football. And now it's become my preferred sport uh, here here in America. 
but I didn't really pick a team, you know. So and they're like, you know, everyone's like, you can't know I have a team. I'm like, well, I just watch every game. I watch the good ones. No, that's I watch all. I you know? watch every game. And uh, every um, game I can. <laughs> right. And then I was, you know, I didn't at that time. I didn't want to become a Chargers fan. And then the Rams were still in St. Louis, so because I'd known Gronk, I just kind of became, you know, a Patriots fan, which people hate. People hate. Oh, I know they hate. They, and I actually, I interviewed Edelman at the Super Bowl this year. Um, on the before uh, he was he won MVP. Yeah, but and Gronk was great too in there. So like, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. And so like, I like this last Super Bowl. I was like, I don't you know, whoever wins, I'm happy. Because I guess I'm a like, and because I like I when the Rams came to LA, I was like, mm, I can like, I can mess with this, right? And McVeigh, it's amazing. Well, and he's actually his grandfather was the GM. I just think at, he's, with Bill Walsh, yeah, with the San Francisco oh, 49ers. Okay, great, great, great. So, because yeah, so there's there's also that lineage. Uh, I just think that guy is like a blueprint of like what's to come. You they're know? trying to mimic. They're trying to, but I don't think you can. I don't think it's that easy. No, I think Arizona Cardinals are trying that now um, with their head coach hire. But you've also got to remind, remember that Sean McVay has Wade Phillips as well. So they've got like the youngest and the oldest, right? And you know, of this old school, old. I mean, both football families. Yeah. I mean, Bum Bum Phillips, and you know, I mean, so I think there's there's really special. There's a really special ingredients there with the Rams. Yeah, and Sean is leading it. Yeah, mm, I, I think they'll win this year. I think if the thing goes right, that like that, I, I I think that team will get a, a a championship. I think they'll win a Super Bowl. I hope they do. Yeah. Are you a Chargers fan? No, you know, I'm kind of like I root for players I know, and so okay. um, does that make it better though? I mean, in today's it's world, like your too, friends, you're they move around. Them. It's like totally. it's like look at basketball. Like like the owners of basketball teams have created. I think there used to be like a legacy and like a dynasty teams and legacy and like you would think of. And 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 Boston at, Celtics, right? Or the you, think Lakers of, you think or, of Larry Bird, yeah, right? Yeah. And the the, the 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 Lakers. You think of Magic Johnson or like Kobe Bryant. Today's world, we don't have that. They're just billionaires that mm-hmm. own them, and the players now have decided that they want to team up with their buddies and create super teams. So whatever team can facilitate that, they kind of make it happen. This yeah. like Kawhi Leonard thing was like crazy. It's just crazy, you know. It's like it it was just proof of like that's the world we live in, right? You look at. Chris Paul now gone to Oklahoma. Westbrook's now at Houston, back that, with Harden. Is, that is crazy. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is 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 with Durant at the Brooklyn Nets, and and then and Spike then, is really happy. And then Kawhi Leonard, yeah, right. He might wear he might wear a Nets. I mean, a, a Brooklyn Nets hat. He should. <laughs> and then uh, and 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 then just what just happened in LA is insane. You know, with the Clippers now having almost no, a super team. No, it's the it's, Lakers having us basically. You know, we thought we had a super team last year. We'll see now. It's like we need a shooter, but yeah. it's just crazy. It just means that there's no loyalty. Well, no, and, and the to, NFL, to the team. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's a business, uh, but you know, it's hard for fans. I think too. But I so I re- and then I'm Trojan, so I root for. Oh, cool. Um, all the Trojans. Um, USC. Yeah, I yeah. was raised going to the game. So I was um, Char- Marcus Allen, Charles White, and Ricky Bell were like my little heroes when yeah. I was a kid. I was a running back on the boys' team. Yeah. Um, so that was what I wanted to grow up to be. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. I think I'm like USC too. 
I'm Maybe definitely, USC I'm has struggled. Not, I'm definitely but, not UCLA. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully USC gets their footing back. Um, I've got, you know, I reached out, I talked to Lizzie, and Lizzie just wanted to say, tell him hi, say what's up, and I hope to catch up with him at X Games. Oh, that's cool. Um, she's great. She's fantastic, yeah. Um, he is one of the first people I've ever been friends with that I've always felt completely comfortable being myself around. He is very understanding and a loving man. He is my brother. I'll always be here for him. Name that person. No, it's uh, Jason Ellis. Aw, that's sweet. So, um, and then I've got another quote for you. So I'm, I'm we're running out of time. So I'm gotta kind of barrage you with all this love. Okay, that's so sweet of you. <laughs> Um, Luke is one in a million, one of the most loyal people I've ever met on planet Earth. He's old school in the best possible way, open, caring, and lovable, a true connector. He's family. That's from Corbin. Aww. So, uh, and That's I, so sweet. Yeah, and I, so I wanted to, I didn't mean to, uh, to th- I, I did, I, I threw those all at you. You're going to have to put those aside in your head. And That's cool. On bad day, like, revisit yeah. those. People no, need you, that. You impact, well, and you... The reason, you know, when this this resonated for everything, because you do, you impact so many. Um, and that's what I actually want to ask you is, when did you realize, you've become a mentor now. When did you realize, or uh, kind of that aha moment when you realized that what you are and what you have been through could help others? And we've only got a few more minutes, so I, sorry, yeah. sorry to, that's, no, a, that's, that's a loaded good. question. That's all good. Listen, I think it was... I think it was um, I had to go through it all. I had to like see the highs. I had to see the lows of life. Um, and then I decided it was when I started telling my story and I like had realized that I had a, like a, a, an interesting story to tell. But it was when I was like to be able to be open about my lows. I think that was like the point of change for me. And the point of like, not what can you do for yourself, but what can you do for others? Like and when I, back, yeah. yeah, and when I was able to actually do that and not think about it, it it was crazy what I got in return out of that of the feeling you get from helping others. It's like crack. Not that I've tried crack, but it's like that you just want more of it. You know, well, you, you watch uh, NFL <laughs> Red Zone. <laughs> That's crack. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it was when I was able to um, be honest and and be true, and then and and really, generally, when I said love myself, not in like an ego way of like self care. Yeah, and like take care of yourself. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So it was it was just I don't know being honest and 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 being true to yourself and and helping again i say it like it's not what can you do for yourself but what can you do for others and by that you will get so much out of it that will then internally help you who you are it's true i you know i think that's our and also um i for me also another thing is attraction rather than promotion is that like when i see somebody doing things in a certain manner I want to know more about that person. Yeah, and it's not like their successes, or it's, it's, it's the way it's it's their humility usually is what I'm drawn to, yeah. or their graciousness, yep. um, or you know that they are, you know, Steve Van Doren who is picking up trash during the Warp Tour. Yeah, you know, I mean, twenty. 21 years ago, so I, I will always remember Steve Van Doren picking up trash in New Jersey, yep. you know, with no cameras yep. and just his crew out there. I mean, yeah. there's certain things that 
um, you know, and I think that's maybe why as well that you're, because you do, you have you have a big platform and you have such an amazing amount to give and to share and in a way that is very loving and fun. You know, Thank I mean, you. Yeah, no, and everything I read about you, it was just like, oh, the funnest guy, the, the best personality. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, well, what is, what, and what, what I was drawn into and when I reached out, I think, to you is that, is when you were going through with your brother. Yeah. And, um, and your complete transparency. Yeah. Like, um, which is not easy. No. Not, not during, anyways, I, you know, I commend, thank you for yeah. chewing that because I think, you know, I, and I hope more healing for you. Yeah. You know, it's healing every day. And I just think that if it's, you know, if it's my story or anyone else's story or, 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 you know, the grieving process or whatever it is, I just feel like, you know, I want my brother to be remembered. And, and I think he's the same way of like, whether his ups or downs, he's, I've always been open about what he went through when he was alive. So I'm still going to do that now that he's gone as well. You know? Yeah. No, it's, 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 thank you. Yeah. Uh, and you and for what you've been through. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they say what our, our lowest points are probably our biggest gifts to share with other people. For sure. For sure. Little John told me that it was, this is a long, long time ago. And this is when I was just right when I was like super depressed. And he was like, it's not until you hit rock bottom and until you can spark again. So I think that is a gift of desperation. Yeah. 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 I've had it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm grateful for it now. I mean, yeah. you're not when you're in it. No. You know, and everything passes. Yep. The good past, the bad in time. Pass. Yep. You know, uh, but, and then what helps me is grounding myself. Yeah. Like saying actually where I'm at. Like I'm sitting here in the studio at Dash with my feet on the ground yep. on this funky chair in front of, you know, like literally saying out loud what, that those are things that help me. Um, no, not that <laughs> we're all missed. I don't know. I think, I don't believe anybody that's not, that doesn't say they have any, had any adversity. Yeah. Um, and we do a, I do a, and I'll talk to you more about it after the show, but, um, it's Pete, the Outsiders. It's all skateboarders, <clears throat> and it's really opinionated, and everyone picks weekly football games. Cool. And so going to line up another season here, and we'll try to make a show of it as well. If, and love to invite you if you'd like to be a part of it. Of course. It. All right. And uh, let's see. Ah, and there we go. Yeah, we do. We are running out of time. I've got a little some goodies here for you. I love goodies. And uh, the best way to follow you is at the Dingo Show. Yeah, at the Dingo and Snow. At the Dingo Snow. Pardon me. Yep, at the Dingo and Snow on Find Your Grind Twitter, and then I mean, sorry, on on Twitter and Instagram, and then anything just Find Your Grind. Like we launched our Find Your Grind podcast, which is about the first ten percent of how everyone gets there, and the platform is Find Your Grind on Instagram and Twitter, and the website's Find Your Grind, the apps Find Your Grind, and that's. That's it's rad. Well, no, and also in your bio is those links, direct links to yeah. on those Instagrams yeah, yeah, as well. Li- there's links to all that stuff on, on all my socials. So yeah. All right. Thanks well, for thank, having me. Oh, thank you so much, Luke, uh, or the Dingo. You know, what do you prefer? It doesn't matter. I answer to both. Okay. My mom calls me Luke. All right. We appreciate it. And uh, you guys have a dynamite week. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and I'm out.